Greetings and hello, fellow Trekkies. Welcome back to another episode of Yelling About Star Trek. My name is Christian Fox, and this is a show where I yell at you about all things Star Trek for your amusement, so I'm not yelling at my friends and family who don't want to hear my thoughts and theories about this fantastic franchise. Today, I want to explore the question of what Star Trek show I would watch if I could only watch one Trek show for the rest of my life and why that show would definitely be DS9. But before I get into why I think that, make sure you get out of your space pajamas, put on your shiniest pair of boots, get a cup of coffee, get a cup of tea, maybe some iced tea if you want to pull the Archer Maneuver, and brace for impact, because things are about to get nerdy. And as usual, probably a little bit divisive, because not everyone loves DS9 the way that I do, so be prepared. A few weeks ago, I was watching videos on YouTube about how to make great titles, and one thing I was seeing a lot of was if I could only do this one thing, I would do this, or if I could only buy this one thing, I would buy this specific thing for some reason. That got me thinking, well, what about Star Trek? What if I could only watch one Star Trek series for the rest of my life, and the answer came incredibly fast, and that was DS9. DS9 is the best Star Trek series in the franchise, and I can go on and on about how great it is, but because this is a podcast and I can't go on for five hours, I'm going to talk about three reasons why I think this is the case. And the first reason is that it feels like Star Trek. And this might be a strange thing to say when talking about Star Trek, because, well, shouldn't all Star Trek feel like Star Trek? And doesn't all Star Trek feel like Star Trek? Well, yes, it should, because it's Star Trek, but not all shows feel like it. Over the past five years, we've gotten exposed to a lot of new Trek, which is great. But a lot of that new Trek hasn't always felt like Star Trek, at least Star Trek to me. So when a show feels like Star Trek, I think it's a huge win. It should always feel like Star Trek, but that doesn't always happen. And when I think about, well, what is Trek? What does it feel like? What is the feeling, the texture of Trek? I go to TNG because in my opinion, TNG is the purest form of Star Trek that exists because one, it has really compelling characters that you can look up to and say, man, I know those folks are going to do the right thing. You've got really cool, wacky sci-fi mysteries where you're like, what the heck is going on? Why is this weird thing happening? How is the Enterprise going to get out of it? And then you have really cool uh, techno babbly science, which can be a little bit goofy, but I love where Data or Jordy will will say something like, "Well, if we reroute power to this thing, and then if we do an inverse pulse of of the deflector dish or from the deflector dish, then we can destroy this anomaly and save the universe." Great. So I, I love all of that stuff, but of course, it's not just about the science. It's not just about the aliens. It's about the morality and the ethics. And TNG delivers that where you have a compelling story or morality tale, if you will, where the characters are really grappling with some really important ethical issues that are that are very challenging to address, but it's done in a sci-fi way so that viewers don't feel like, okay, they're getting way too political or this is way too heavy. No, it feels like, well, no, this is a really cool sci-fi show where they're exploring 
real issues, but through the lens of sci-fi, and it's easier for the viewer to consume. So that's what I love about TNG. Now, if you compare that to DS9, DS9 does all of that. It has really compelling characters that for the most part you can look up to and say, I know they're going to do the right thing. There are more shades of gray, which do add to the complexity of the series. But generally speaking, you can count on the good guys doing the right thing and not doing something awful. You have cool sci-fi stories where the station encounters a lot of sci-fi anomalies or weird things happening. Like, for example, one episode where Chief O'Brien experiences the destruction of the station, and then he goes back in time, sort of, and sees himself from the past. And it's really weird but it's a cool sci-fi concept. So you get all of that stuff and you get all the usual morality tales you'd expect. It deals with ethics, but it does so on a much grander scale than TNG ever could. And that's not a knock against TNG. TNG was a very specific show in a specific time, constrained by what the studio wanted. So I still think TNG is amazing and it really does feel the most like Trek, but DS9 also feels like Trek but it's more expanded. It almost feels like a director's cut, sort of. Like the thing that, oh, we would have loved to have had this in the show, but we had to cut out those scenes. So it's not quite as full as it could be. But DS9 feels like Trek. It feels like TNG, but it's bigger. And one of the reasons that it feels bigger and grander to me is actually my second reason. And that's because it is a living, breathing universe. One of the issues I've had with Trek over the years is that something like TNG or even Voyager to a lesser degree all take place on spaceships where everybody is together all the time. And these ships usually have large crews. Obviously, Voyager is much smaller, so it only has a crew of 150 people, whereas the Enterprise D has... Well, not so much a crew, but it does have a thousand people on board with various crew members and civilians and children. So both of these are situations where you have a lot of people in a small space exploring a vast open area where they're cut off from contact from a lot of other ships and other planets. Not so much in TNG because, well, they do see planets every week, but generally speaking, they're not on Earth, so they're not seeing the rest of uh, human civilization or other planets that are part of the Federation as much. So they're really kind of all stuck together in a contained space. But with Voyager and TNG, you don't get the sense that it's a living, breathing universe. There's one example I always use when I talk about this, and I think, and this happens in TNG and Voyager, and that's when you have two characters, two main characters walking down a hall, and they see someone who they obviously know because they've all been together. And yes, it's a little bit more complicated with the D because there's new crewmen and new officers that are transferring on and off the ship. And so there's always new people. So not everyone knows everyone. It just seems weird when you get a nod or you get like the ensign or something. They don't just say like, hey, Joe, what's up? Uh, you know, I'm going off to, to engineering. You want to come or Uh, I'm going to go hit up the holodeck later or something like some kind of small talk to say that, you know, who this person is. And when you look at that, you really feel like the ship is only made up of the senior staff. It's only made up of Picard, Riker, Geordi, and the rest of the gang. It doesn't actually feel like it's a living, breathing community. Same with Voyager. Voyager is trapped in the Delta Quadrant. They're cut off. 
they're, they basically have a trip of 70 years or less, most likely 70 years, even though obviously it's not 70 years by the time they get home. But it's going to be a long time, and you really should feel like it's not just about the main crew or rather the main cast, but it should feel like it's about the entire crew, the entire 150 people that are on the ship. And obviously we're not going to focus on every single person on the ship, but it should feel more living and breathing. Like this is a community that grows and where everybody knows everybody and things are always happening beyond what's happening with the main cast. It doesn't do that. But DS9 does it in such an amazing way. And for one thing, you have the promenade, which I think is such an amazing thing about DS9, where it's basically just a bunch of shops and civilians that are coming through. You've got transports coming in all the time. You have uh, security issues where, you know, someone might get into a fight at Quark's or someone might try to rip off a salesperson. There might be some petty theft. And you hear about all that. And I'm not saying that, oh, the Enterprise needed more crime or Voyager needed more crime to make it feel realistic. But you get this feeling that this is all happening when the senior staff is on the the bridge or not the bridge, but is an ops, which is uh, the equivalent of the bridge on DS9. And all those things are happening when our main characters are doing stuff. For example, if you're watching Captain Sisko dealing with a Romulan warbird that's coming out of nowhere, and he's trying to talk down the Romulan warbird and try to prevent it from firing on the station, you still know that someone is at Quark's right now getting drunk and probably going to get into a fight. Or maybe someone's trying to rip someone else off on the promenade, and Odo has to intervene and stop that, even while... Captain Sisko is dealing with the main crisis, the thing that we would be watching. And you don't get that feeling on TNG or Voyager, but you do on DS9. And it really feels like no matter what's happening on the bridge with the rest of the crew, something else is always happening. And it's not like you get to see all these random civilians all the time and you're going to know every random civilian but there's enough dialogue between Odo and Kira about, okay, well, here's my security report for this week. So there's all that. And then when you're on the promenade, you're seeing people, you're seeing all the extras, you're seeing people walking through, you're hearing all the ambient noise of, of Quark's bar, you're hearing, well, not so much hearing the Klingon restaurant, but you know it's there and people talk about it. So it feels like this living, breathing universe and people always bring this up when they talk about the Enterprise D that, man, it is a sleepy ship. There's maybe like one or two extras that are walking by. And if you go into 10-4, there's maybe like, what, 10 or 15 people there. And I get it because it was a budget. They didn't have a ton of money to spend on extras. But when you realize that ship has a thousand people on it or over a thousand, and there's only 20 people in in the, the mess hall or 10-4, or that's not a lot of people. That's kind of small. But you don't get that on DS9 because you see all the civilians walking around. You hear all the noise and the conversations. And it just feels like it's, again, it feels like it's a living, breathing universe. And the other reason that I think it feels like a living place, a place that actually exists in real life, is because of the guest stars and the reoccurring characters. You have people like Nog and Rom who are not main characters, but they feel like they're main characters because they're in there all the time. And they grow and they're really well developed. You have other people that just show up periodically, people like Grand Negazek, who obviously is visiting, but he feels like he's part of the universe. You have Liquidator Brunt. He's a bad guy. People don't like Brunt, but it's just so cool that Brunt will show up from time to time and like, right, Brunt does exist in this universe. 
Brent's life doesn't just end when he's not on screen. And then you have Vic Fontaine in the Vegas Hollow Suite, which I think is so great because he's not a main character, but the crew interacts with him and they treat him like he is a main character and he's involved in a lot of the plots. And you have people like Wayun and Garrick and you have people like Damar and Gal Dukat who are always showing up and causing problems. You have Martok who's always showing up and he's there to help out war. So you just have like just huge cast of all these reoccurring characters who will show up periodically throughout the series where you forget that, man, they're not main characters. They're just reoccurring or guest stars. But the frequency of them showing up makes it feel like this is like a real thing because, you know, you have friends who you don't necessarily see all the time or you have family that you don't see all the time, but you do see them periodically because they're your family or they're your friends or whatever the situation is, but they will show up to your house and you'll interact with them because that's what we do in real life. But you don't always get that on Star Trek, but they do in DS9 and, and I love it. So DS9 does an amazing job with its, with its reoccurring characters and does an amazing job overall a feeling like a living, breathing world that actually exists that doesn't just stop and start when you start the episode. Like you can really believe that things are still going on on the station, whereas I have a much harder time believing that things are going on on the Enterprise when I'm not watching the show, even though I know they do. So those are the first two reasons. And then the final reason that I think DS9 is the best Star Trek series and why it's the series that I would watch if I could only watch one Star Trek for the rest of my life. And that is because it mastered the balance between the episodic storytelling and long form storytelling. That is, that is incredible. Not all shows can do that. We've seen a lot of shows like Discovery over the years where it's just one single plot. It's like, all right, like I talked about this last week where you have Discovery season four. They're like, well, we're going to we're trying to find the 10C. We found the 10C. Now we just got to go talk to the 10C. And now we got to go through the barrier. But before we go through the barrier, we got to go stop off this planet and get this mineral that we need. We got to do all these little things that don't seem to really amount to anything. They're just kind of there to spread out the story so that we can get to the 10C. And that's what we've been waiting for all season. And it drags on. Enterprise season three had that a little bit, but I think that is a much stronger arc and a much stronger season. And I think it's actually really bingeable. But for some reason, Discovery's long form storytelling didn't quite work for me. But DS9 had the perfect balance of that where they had the long form storytelling. They had the Dominion War where they dealt with the the gravity of an actual all-out conflict that wasn't solved in one episode. And they also dealt with a lot of reoccurring character arcs. They had storylines with with Quark that would always reoccur. They had storylines with Nog, who was given a really amazing arc. Again, you have people like Wei Yun, who has a bit of an arc. Gal Dukat has an arc. Even Damar has an arc, which I say he has one of the most amazing arcs in all of Star Trek. And I've actually talked about this a long time ago. Last year, not a long time ago, but last year, where I made the argument that he had the best arc in all of Star Trek. And you have all of those things combined with the overarching storyline of of the Dominion War. And also, and I forgot to say it, Bejar trying to get into the Federation. So you have all of these things going on, but it also has episodic storytelling. You have things where during the Dominion War, you might have a Quark episode. You might have an Odo episode. You might have a Worf deals with some Klingon issue episode. You might have 
uh, a Cisco getting a vision from the prophets episode that doesn't necessarily relate to every single other episode that we've seen. You might have Kira grappling with some aspect of of her time resistance fighting. So you have all these episodes where it's just about one character or a group of people doing one specific thing. It doesn't necessarily impact the rest of the series, and you can just pick up and watch it and then move on. But when you watch it with other episodes, it feels like it's relating to the much larger story and things interconnect. And this balance between episodic and long-form storytelling is not something that should be taken lightly. It's not something that all shows can achieve. I just talked about Strange New Worlds last week, which I think is a shining example of this, of a show that can somehow combine episodic storytelling with long-form storytelling and have it blend and feel natural and cohesive. So the fact that DS9 was doing this 20 years ago is incredible. And I am just always amazed when I watch it. And not only amazed, but I just feel so comforted. And I can be like, hey, do I want to watch a one-off episode that's just about one thing that happened? Or do I want to go down the rabbit hole of watching, say, six or seven Dominion episodes? And I I get to decide that. I can't always do that with Voyager. I can't always do that with TNG. If I'm watching TNG, then I have to be in the mood for just an episodic episode, if that makes sense. An episodic episode. I know that's redundant, but like of an episode that's just one storyline doesn't impact the other episodes because it's TNG. It It doesn't really have long form storytelling. But with DS9, I have that option. And again, they were doing this 20 years ago, where I don't think it should take away from the fact that Strange New Worlds has achieved this beautifully, but it's so rare that when it happens, we're amazed. But DS9 did this first. And DS9 is the one that I can go back to because it has so much variety when you combine those two types of storytelling. Again, I can either choose a Quark episode, I can choose an Odo episode, I can choose a Cure episode, or I can choose, say, the mini arc in season six where the Dominion takes over the station. I get to pick from all of that. And I feel like when I look at the combination of episodic and long-form storytelling, the fact that the show itself feels like a living, breathing universe, and the fact that it feels like Star Trek to me are the three reasons that I would pick this show over any other Star Trek series if I could only watch one Star Trek series for the rest of my life. But what about you? Do you agree with my pick that DS9 is the best show to watch if you could only watch one Star Trek show for the rest of your life? Or do you think that honor goes to another show that I did not mention? Let me know. I'd love to hear from you. Also, let me know what you like and what you don't like about this podcast, because ultimately, my goal is to make a show that you enjoy listening to and watching. And in the paraphrased words of Captain Kirk, I shall see you out there that away.